Just a quick word of warning before we get going that the following podcast will almost certainly contain spoilers and may also contain strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Hello and welcome to episode 99 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart, suffering from beaver fever. Lovely. Hello there, how are you? I'm okay, Mitch. Hello, how are you? I'm good. Our special guest this week, of course, is no one. Yeah, we're just keeping it family tonight because we thought, why not? We're closing in on the one ton. Yeah, yeah. Episode 100 next week. Got some big plans for that. Looking forward to telling you all about those. Yeah. Would you, Mitch, let's just take a minute here. Did you ever think when we started this almost exactly two years ago that we would be here? Almost at episode 100 that we would have put out over 200 recordings. Yes and no. I was kind of like, that sounds like a lot, but also I think that we're both quite tenacious when we get an idea in our heads. <laughs> sure. So it was kind of like, I could I could maybe see us just about getting here, but uh, yeah, it is pretty crazy. We do have some big plans for that, though. Uh, we are working on some things. We're telling you all about that on Monday. For now, though, it is time for the monthly Andy vs. Mitch episode, and last month it was your choice, and I believe you went for The Visitor? <laughs> Mitch, I believe I went for Hell Comes to Frogtown. That's how quickly time's passing before I'm getting that easily thrown. Uh, yes, hell comes to Frogtown, I apologise. So it's my turn this month, which uh, always kind of lends itself to a little bit of a kind of wildcard selection. <laughs> probably not going to pick some deep cut classic thing that people are going to be excited to rewatch. That's not really my whole thing. <laughs> but then my whole thing is I'm just going to pick a lot of shite. I suppose I've kind of done that as well. Well, uh, you've, you've certainly picked shite, yeah. Yes, uh-huh. Jordan Rubin's Zombievers, 2014 Zombievers, was my selection this week, yeah. or this month, should I say. Yeah, yeah. it's been a while since I watched Zombievers. In fact, I was just saying to you before that you before you uh, mentioned this to me that I had recently sent this one off to Music Magpie. That is unfortunate. <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't choose it the last time it was my turn. No, 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 that's fine. I'm sure I made about, I don't know, about two pence off of that or something. Yeah, not bad deal there, to be fair. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't watched this in a couple of years, or I hadn't watched this in a couple of years until I chose it and we were doing it in advance of this. And it was just right now we watched it. We watched it social distancing style, but together. We did, yeah. yeah we were able to chat through it, but uh, I wasn't able to touch you. Unfortunately not, no. Quite human contact starved just now, I would say. Oh yeah, me too. Me too, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I get what you mean, Mitch. I mean, there's only so much touching of your flatmates that is appropriate. It's true, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, like, I don't, I don't want to infringe on that particular boundary, so you know, I'm erring on the side of caution. But Zombievers, shall I talk a little bit about how I came across this one? Well, I was just about to ask you that, so it's good that you've done that. <laughs> I mean, I'm so used to asking the question, I kind of preempted it. Um, so I saw this as I think a few people who are listening to this might have done it. Fright Fest 2014. It was the closing film of the opening night. Yeah. So as I recall, the opening film that year was The Guest, mm-hmm. which a few of you might know I'm a big fan of. <laughs> 
The middle film that night was Sin City 2, A Dame to Kill For. Not so good. And the third was Zombievers. So it was my second year going to Fright Fest. It was the first year that I knew a lot of people going in. Mm-hmm. We had watched The Guest, and of course The Guest is great, and everybody had a great time with that. And basically, we kind of looked at it, and we were like, we see each other once or twice a year. Sin City 2 is coming out next week. Instead of watching Sin City 2... Let's go to the pub. That's a good run at the pub, because that's a film that runs, I believe, somewhere in the region of 32 and a half hours. Somewhere in that general ballpark, yeah. So, a couple of points there, yeah. Like you say, it's a long stint in the pub, because that film is not short. Also, uh, we were on the right side of history, because Sin City 2 is dreadful. (laughs) Someone was Um, smiling on you, Mitch. I think so. Um, But it did mean that by the time we came back, for Zombievers, we had all had a few pints, and uh, this is a pretty optimal condition to watch this film under, I would say. I'd say so, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can tell you right now, I've had a couple of beers tonight. That's a I, and I did eventually, I bought it on DVD, and I caught up with it, and I remember being like, a little bit nervy about watching it back, because I was kind of like, is this going to hold up? I want to watch it with a sober head on my shoulders, and I thought it mostly did. I thought it was a lot of fun. It's obviously not a good film by any stretch of the imagination, but I think that it's a very, very fun film. And I was pleasantly surprised by how well it held up when I watched it again with sober eyes. So I thought that it would be a reasonable shout to dig up for this purpose. Cool. Well, for me, I wasn't at Fright Fest that year, but I did pick it up on DVD. And my first exposure to it was at home, watching Zombievers on DVD. And I watched it, and... I kinda I liked it. I thought it felt its length, actually the first time I watched it. At seventy one minutes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's yeah, that's run about the point that the credits start, so there's a few extra minutes on that. Um, but I watched it again a couple of years later and I had a better time with it. Mm-hmm. And that's where my exposure to Zombievers ended until tonight. I had only watched it the twice, both times at home. And revisiting it tonight, I was a little bit sceptical because I had I was kind of 50 50 in my experiences. One was really good, one was yeah, so so. And I was mm-hmm. like, how's this going to go down? But you know, I actually think it fared pretty well tonight. I had a good time with it. Good, good, good. We can uh, get into the hows and whys of that. Sure, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, th- I think it's got quite a lot going for it, and I think that it's very aware of the things that it doesn't have going for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also coming from Jordan Rubin, who we discussed the other week on this show, directed The Drone. Yeah, which is also a fun film. Yeah. That guy, he's okay. <laughs> so, let me ask you this, Mitch. Are you prepared to mm-hmm. give me a 30-second synopsis? <sighs> Yeah, I think I can do that. The clock is primed. Okay, okay. I'm going to count you in. Okay. Three, two, one. Commence. Okay, so we have three college students, Jen, Mary, and Zoe, who escape to a cabin in the woods for a long weekend. It's one of their cousins' cabin in the woods. Uh, Ostensibly to get away and help Jen clear her mind of Sam, her cheating boyfriend. Uh, eventually both Sam and two of his friends who are the other two girls partners turn up and uh, kind of gets a little bit cabin in the woodsy and then they get set upon by an army of zombie beavers who have been turned rabid by toxic waste hilarity ensues done yeah you actually that's just time up now Uh, you did that with uh, three or four seconds left well done Thanks. I thought that was, I thought that was all right. Like I don't want to I don't want to give away some of the kind of big reveals sure, uh, sure. as it proceeds. Yeah, we'll do that um, as we continue through this conversation. Certainly, certainly. <laughs> so, um, 
a universal release, this one. Yeah, was that a surprise to you? <laughs> Despite the fact that it was my fourth or fifth watch, yes, it was a surprise to me tonight, which <laughs> is a lot about my powers of observation. Well, I mean, it's a universal and epic pictures distribution thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Epic Pictures also known for putting out some pretty decent stuff, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, over the years. But yeah, so we get stuck into this. Now, you blew my mind with this because you were coming at me, as you often do with trivia, despite the fact that it was my selection. Uh huh. You were coming at me with trivia that I was not aware of. As we join uh, two drivers or couriers for the Mamavonic Medical Research Centre. Yeah, yeah. Both of them, I would say, relatively well-known faces, although one of them is hidden under a terrible fake moustache. Yes. So we have Bill Burr. Yes, comedian Bill Burr. I could successfully identify Bill Burr, but the other one. Yeah, you you caught me off guard with this one. The bemulleted sunglasses and uh, handlebar tash guy. I was not ready for you to tell me who that was. That's John Mayer. Conventionally attractive musician John Mayer. <laughs> yeah, the very same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the guy that Taylor Swift wrote Dear John about. <laughs> Again, the very same, yeah. And as I wow. said, sporting a terrible fake moustache. Terrible. Almost oh. as bad as that guy out of Sleepaway Camp. Yeah, not the worst fake task we've seen on the show, but definitely <laughs> in the top three. They are having some uh, chat here that feels improvised, and judging by the outtakes you see at the end, is almost definitely improvised. I would say so, yeah, yeah, yeah. John Mayer's character is lamenting the fact that he's not allowed to shit in his friend's house. Yeah, that's right, and uh, Bill Burr's character, talking about a, a homosexual experience that he had. Haven't we all? Uh, yeah, and uh, talking about uh, and talking about the uh, the logistics and the pros and cons of that from his perspective. <laughs> um, while all this is going on, they obliviously, well, Bill Burr, obliviously at least, is not keeping his eyes on the road. He's texting and uh, hits a deer. Yeah, wonderfully splattery moment, this. I was going to say, that deer basically explodes on impact. <laughs> there is deer entrails everywhere, but more importantly, a can of the toxic waste that they are carrying, or a drum of the toxic waste that they are carrying, falls out the back of the van and rolls down a hill. If only it stopped there, Mitch, for it does not. Would that it were so simple, Andy? Would that it were so simple? <laughs> Yeah, we get some fairly excellent animated opening credits here, or semi-animated opening credits. I like these a lot. I think the entire opening of this actually sets this all out quite well for the film that you're getting. Yeah, I would agree. You're, you're right. I would say these these aren't truly animated. They're more like no, it's no, more no, like no. Uh, still like still drawings, kind of overlaid over the footage of this ominous battle slithering its way downstream. Yeah, and it's a hell of a journey this battle goes on. Ultimately, though, laying to rest beside two animatronic beavers. <laughs> the first look that we get of the animatronic beavers that I absolutely love. Yeah. I love them so much. Yeah, I actually have a real love for the, the beaver work in this film because you've got some great stuff on the show. You've got animatronics, you've got what are clearly hand puppets, you've got what look like remote-controlled boats with beavers on top. Yeah, uh-huh. I think the beavesmanship in this film is of an exceptionally high standard. I get the feeling we're going to say beave a lot. Yeah, I think we probably are almost as many times as they say it in the film, I would imagine. <laughs> um, but yeah, the industrial drum of toxic waste springs a leak, and that is as much as we know at this point, because we then turn our attentions to a, a weeping woman in a gas station bathroom, namely Jen, our uh, main, main character, if you like. She has been wronged by a guy named Sam. She's having an angry text exchange with him. He knows what he did piece of shit yeah and then turns out he is actually quite the piece of shit yeah he's pretty horrendous as are a few other characters in this as we'll come to learn <laughs> but uh she gathers her composure comes back out into the pickup truck that is waiting for her on the uh, gas station forecourt and we meet her friends mary and zoe zoe no stranger to strong language and violent scenes herself for she is the titular sushi girl in sushi girl way back in episode 30 something 
Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, join by JK. Yeah. So, yeah, she has a little more to do in this film. A lot more to do. So, basically, what we establish very quickly is that, as we've said, Jen has been wronged. And hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. But she is off to a weekend getaway at, I think it's Zoe's cousin's cabin? Mary's, Mary's. cousin's cabin. Mary's. Yes. Mary's. Yeah. Mary's, I apologize. And it's basically, it's going to be a no phones and no guys weekend where uh, she can wash that man right out of her hair, as it were. <laughs> You've forgotten there is someone else on this journey with them. I say someone, when in fact I mean something. Yes. Sweet, inevitable pet death. Yeah, Zoe's brought a dog along. I, I'm sorry if the dog had a name, and I'm sorry to the canine actor if, if indeed it's still with us that I didn't catch your character's name. It was no reflection on your performance. What I will say is from the minute I saw the dog, the first time I watched it, I said, in this film, that dog does not turn up alive at the end. No, it's one of the more obvious. I mean, like, I, I don't know what the dog's name was, but the dog's name might as well have been Goner. <laughs> so basically we hang around with these guys long enough to just get a little bit of an introduction mary seems a little bit straight less zoe seems pretty unlikable right out of the gate i think oh horrible but at this point a really stupid visual joke that i really like we've got a kid who looks about 14 who is fishing <laughs> and uh, wearing a number one dad baseball cap yeah i spotted that as well that, 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 that tickled me very silly very funny um he's not long for this world though he will soon be reduced to just that number one dad cap because he is savaged off camera presumably by some zombievers at this point much it's an unknown something this is, this is very true in this film called zombievers it's an unknown quantity that kills him yeah i actually going back to the characters and the, the various kind of personalities i actually think they're quite fun caricatures that work well and this kind of film it's the same kind of thing that cabin fever does although they're far more unlikable in cabin fever you're right i mean like they're basically they are hitting certain tropes in a kind of caricature way but i think that criticizing characters like this for being poorly sketched in a film like this is kind of like criticizing a duck for quacking yeah i don't want po-faced character I, I don't see a film like zombievers to have po-faced characters having serious conversation no no i don't think there's really any room in the world for that yeah. but they've arrived at the cabin at this point a neighbor again whose name i didn't catch comes across to say hello this entire <laughs> exchange is very weird uh most notably when she looks at mary and says you have blossomed sure what is it that's weird about that if she hasn't seen her in a long time she turns up mitch she was a girl who has undergone a transformation like a butterfly gone from this small bud to this full-grown majestic woman yeah she was a girl then was not a girl not yet a woman and now she's a woman and then where do you go from there just the old lady from the titanic i guess <laughs> uh, zoe chronically overshares here this entire exchange is very very strange but i do think it's really funny when uh, the neighbor describes her own daughter as a real piece of work and not that attractive <laughs> There's a refresh and honesty about that, Mitch. I think if you could look at your own children and go, oh, I didn't do the best I could have done with you. Take her back. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I think also, I, I think that this film is not full of, but I think has its share of really funny incidental exchanges like this. Yeah, yeah, I mean, none of it's smart. This isn't witty repartee. No, no, no. But it's, it's entertaining nonsense. Yeah, I mean, like, it's yeah, it's not Sorkin-esque, but it's not drivel either. <laughs> Um, at this point, we get the reality of the no phone service thing. Basically, everyone except Mary tries to send a text message or two, and they all have kind of like very stereotypical written by committee millennial tantrums about the fact that they can't get on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I have to say, I think my first big laugh came around about this point when one of the girls, I think it's Zoe, enters this log cabin and bemoans the fact that it smells like wood. Yeah. <laughs> that's right yeah i want to talk for a minute about how disrespectful these characters are because just because it's not their cabin 
You cannot allow your dog to urinate freely around a holiday home. Absolutely agree. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because gone with a dog is peeing everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that there is essentially writing that dog's death warrant in my eyes. Oh, oh, really? Really, yeah? Yeah, it moves from being a sympathetic character to being a wee dick. So do you think that he's the principal antagonist at this point? No, no not at all, no. I think at this point, certainly, that still lies with Zoe, but he's Zoe's <laughs> dog. He's a product of his environment. He was going to say, that's the apple not falling far off the tree there. Sure, sure. He's got no one else to blame but Zoe. Exactly. I blame the parents. They go for a swim at this point, and Zoe, very quick to, I think it's 13 minutes in, we get our first of what is a decent amount of nudity in this film. She is quite willing to walk around with no top on for a good portion of this early running. Yes, she is. That's certainly true. They head for a swim, end up on a raft, as they spend a decent whack of time in this film, actually, on this raft. Every time they are on the raft, particularly later on when they're getting terrorised by the Zombievers themselves. Uh, major Creepshow 2 vibes. Absolutely, and it's funny, right, the, the raft from Creepshow 2 is one of my favourite segments in any anthology film ever. I love it with all my heart. But mm-hmm. at no point in this have I written the word raft. I wrote pontoon. Yeah. Really? Is that not what it is? I mean, I'm, I, I don't know. <laughs> it could very well be true. Just, uh, just, oh, that's 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 fascinating. Especially considering, like you say, you've got such a love for the raft. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is a little bit of a Homer Simpson, the bus that couldn't slow down moment. <laughs> so I've looked up pontoon just okay, to, to be sure that I'm talking about the right thing. And it turns out that a pontoon is in fact a boat. But scrolling down a little bit, what I've found is something called a nautical float which appears to be the thing in question. I see. Okay, okay. So, right, so it's kind of, is it kind of like a raft, but a raft that theoretically stays mostly in the same place? Yeah, but then I've seen another image that is, is again, what we're talking about here, called a pontoon. I don't know, Mitch. I don't know what to think. Are you about to tell me that pontoon is a card game? It's also that. So, rapid-fire character introductions. Well, not rapid-fire, really, but another character introduction here, certainly. They go off in search of beaver. (laughs) Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. They spot a beaver dam in the distance and decide to check it out. Mm-hmm. I think it's actually really funny at this point. They get over there and they are not set upon, but from a distance they see a bear, like an angry looking bear. Sure, yeah. <laughs> and it's at this point when they see the bear that Zoe panics and uh, covers her breasts. Ah, she's overcome with fear related coyness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. Uh, but that bear is dispatched by Smith with a Y. Do you think what we're seeing here is tasteful depictions of redneck folk? It is worth mentioning at this point that all the girls, and indeed every character that we've met up to this point, are what could be described as, uh, as rednecks. And to answer your question, Andy, no, I don't think that it's a particularly tasteful depiction of rednecks pretty much across the board. But I would say also that we have seen much worse. I guess that's fair. Uh, Most notably, any depiction of uh, mental health that we have had on this show. Yes, that is frequently the most mishandled, I would say. The most (laughs) and poorest handled, definitely. But yeah, this guy is pretty weird. He's pretty creepy. He's not a Harbinger character, but he has a few traits of a Harbinger character in that he's quite weird looking and quite lecherous. He does offer a warning to the girls that they should cover up they shouldn't parade themselves around with so much flesh on show yeah that's right that's like the main kind of takeaway from this entire encounter I think yeah so a harbinger of sorts yeah I guess so however we rejoin the girls back at the cabin for a very weird and kind of very dark game of would you rather yeah it's incredibly incesty now Mitch I had planned on pulling some uh, equally sinister questions together for you uh huh to play a little game of would you rather with me in this kind of environment but no what i will do though is i'll put it out to the listeners if they would like to furnish me with some questions uh some would you rather questions and i will ask you them on the next minisode (laughs) that's great i love that that's much better i'm happier with that 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool, yeah, no, get those coming in. While this kind of very silly exchange is going on, we cut to outside the cabin and we get the kind of like Evil Dead style thing, but it's of the kind of first person view or something boating through the trees, but it's like beaver vision. Beaval Dead. <laughs> Beaval Dead, precisely. Sure. Yeah, very good, very good. 10 out of 10. There is um, a bang at the door at this point. Zoe goes to investigate, considering, right? At this point, this could be anyone or anything. Zoe is incredibly antagonistic when she gets to the door. She's got that kind of spunk. Exactly. As it turns out, though, on this occasion, false alarm, no beavers to be found, but three dicks. <laughs> yes, it's men. Hooray. Uh, we have Mary's boyfriend, Tommy, Zoe's boyfriend, the insufferable Buck, and, of course, Sam, the man who wronged Jen, as we found out a little bit earlier on. Yeah, interesting cross-section of guys here, and you're absolutely right to say that Buck, certainly on the surface, is the most insufferable. Most immediately, I would say. Yeah, yeah, but I would say in the kind of overall picture of the piece, Sam is the worst. Oh, I would be inclined to agree, I would say. His transgressions are definitely the worst over the pace. Now, Buck is Zoe's boyfriend. Yes. And at first I was like, well, they are the most unconvincing couple I've ever seen in a film, or certainly for a long, long time. But then the film very neatly leans into that and actually makes a joke out of it, uh, which I like. What about the fact that um, uh, about the fact that Zoe is far too attractive for Buck? You mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He tells her that while they're banging. Yes, because both couples kind of get down to it while Sam and Jen sit and talk awkwardly in the uh, in the room in the living room and uh, we kind of understand a little bit more about the history of those two and what's gone wrong here and uh, as it turns out of course Sam has kissed another girl at a party Jen knows this because someone has very intrepidly taken a picture of it as it happened Oof. and uh, sent it to her we see that picture and I would have said for all the world at this point that the back of the head that you see there is the back of Zoe's head yeah well uh, you would be wrong in that assumption Mitch and I think that's the film cleverly subverting your expectation I would say that that's true, actually. I would say that this is actually a reasonably good misdirect. Because it's a beaver in a wig. <laughs> the classic shop-worn cinematic trait of it being a beaver in a wig. Yeah. Do you know, there's nothing worse, right, at any time when you're sitting in a room and there's people banging in a room near you, uh -huh. right? But I think if you're in the middle of a heavy relationship conversation, or quite the opposite, it could be the end of a relationship in this case, and mm -hmm. there's two couples loudly shagging around you. Why they didn't go outside for this conversation, I'll never know. Yeah, because, I mean, at this point, I mean, obviously going outside would have been a bad decision in the overall scheme of things, but they don't know that. No, they don't. No, no, no. They have no, they have no idea that there's undead beavers out there. So, um, so yeah, no, I agree. I think that had I been in their position, I probably would have taken that outside. Can I just say as well, there's an expectation on men in films to be these supernatural shaggers, and I think it's unreal. Every man seems to have the ability to immediately go again now. I'm not saying that I can't do that. I'm saying it's incredibly rare. <laughs> and it's the kind of thing that I need to set aside some time in a day to do. Would you prefer to know in advance that the expectation was there? I would say, I, I think I can speak for almost every woman out there when they say that the normal time that a guy fucks them for is never long enough. Okay. <laughs> so yes, I would say that that is certainly the expectation. But the reality, I would say is nothing like this. It's movie magic. It's one of those things that's completely fabricated for films. It's like bullet physics. Oh, for God's sake, yeah. I can't believe that you just described this, of all things, as movie magic. Yeah, yeah, it's a lie. It's a complete fallacy. So, we get our first look at a rabid, zombified beaver. At this point, Jen goes into the bathroom, pulls the shower curtain back, and there one is. Great reveal. Again, beaver looks brilliant. Very, very funny. Tommy clubs the beaver to death, eventually. Do you remember the cartoon Angry Beavers? Uh, vaguely, yes. 
it just popped into my head there. I thought I would put it out in the world and just see who else remembers the Angry Beavers. Um, but yeah, Sam at first is the man tasked with clubbing this beaver to death, but he holds a baseball bat like an absolute asshole. Yeah, he he holds a baseball bat like he's never seen one before in his life. He holds it really near the, I guess, the part that makes contact with the ball. He holds it very high up that part. I love the fact that we're slagging him off for not knowing how to hold a baseball. It's like, yeah, but he holds it by the bit at the top. Yeah, and also, baseball's not really a sport in Scotland. This is very true, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an um, abstraction. It's an abstraction that you see in American TV shows. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm actually. I'm. I'm convinced that it doesn't exist, and it's just an invention of the movies. It's movie magic, Mitch. It's like driving a car and on two wheels. <laughs> exactly. At this point, there's no obvious evidence that the beaver has successfully landed any blows, if you like. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but it is acknowledged at this point that there are no hospitals for miles. There is no convenient forest hospital that you could just <laughs> hobble down the road to. It's going to be a thirty-mile drive. Yeah, that, and that's that's too far, if I'm if I'm honest with you. So at the conclusion of this, they take the the dead undead beaver, if you like, and put it in a white bag and leave it on the step, and they all just go to bed. Turn in, call it a night. By the way, Buck proposes that the best plan of action here is a safety orgy. <laughs> right now, of course he does. Yeah, he's that kind of guy. He's always thinking on his feet. But and I, and personally, much I can see the sense and the kind of safety and numbers thing. <laughs> Herd immunity. Yeah, but but what I will say is. In a crisis situation, I would say that nudity is impractical. Yes, I would say so. It's an unnecessary distraction. It is, and to be honest, no one wants to see men running at any time with their genitals out, let alone running in fear when you're at your least manly. Yes, I would say that all of those observations are fair enough. I would say that, in general, poorly considered. Bad idea. (laughs) Uh, However... In the morning, completely unfazed by the previous evening's events, everyone is getting ready to go for a wee swim again, back down to the wee spot with the nautical float that we saw earlier. However, on opening the door, they realise that the white bag that previously housed the undead dead beaver is now empty. Yeah, yeah. And at this point as well, I was starting to think, there's a lot of beaver jokes in this. And cleverly, again, the film preempts me and acknowledges the fact that it's dumb by having (laughs) a character say, there's a lot of beaver jokes going on. Yeah, I think so. I, I think that, like I say, it's quite good at doing this. I think it's quite good at checkmating you or preempting the things that you might kind of point out as shortcomings of the film. Yeah, and that, I think that's actually quite clever in the way that right at the point that you're starting to think like that, the film tells you rather than the film doing something 10 minutes down the line when it's coming too late. I actually think it's cleverly handled and cleverly paced in that regard. Yeah, I think it gets that right. I, like almost, Almost to the joke kind of to the yeah. line a few times. Um, however, we do get a nice little twist here because, like I say, they're out. Some of them are swimming. Some of them are on the nautical float. Jen, I believe, is off by herself, standing just kind of, like, by the riverside, if you like. She's paddling. She's Yeah, paddling, I would say, yeah. She's kind of, like, dipping her toe in the water, as it were. At this point, however, on the raft, we do discover that the girl that Sam kissed at the party that's caused all this trouble and was the cause for this entire trip in the first place was not Zoe, but was, in fact, Mary. Dun, dun, dun. Tell me the other way with that one. I did not see that coming. Uh, Mary then obviously wants to preserve her relationship with Tommy and also her friendship with Jen. So no, there's a few irons in this fire, a few dogs in this fight. <laughs> However, we don't have time to dwell on the dramatic or narrative implications of this bombshell because right around this point, uh, Buck has his foot bitten off by a zombie beaver. Again, this is very funny. It is funny, uh, especially when he resurfaces from under the water holding his foot aloft. Yes, yeah, holding his very obviously fake foot. It's so good. <laughs> Everyone kind of swims back to the raft at this point. Like I say, more and kind of more pronounced Creepshow 2 vibes here. 
mm-hmm. I would say. Um, an emergency tourniquet is applied as the beavers descend. Yeah, Jen takes to her heels and runs back to the house with the intention of calling for assistance, but those industrious wily beavers have chewed through the phone lines. Can I just say, I absolutely love that. See, when they, you realise that they have chewed through the phone lines, but also you see the phone lines with the scratch marks all around them. <laughs> I love that. I love the idea of them as being kind of like calculated villains. Basically, any time that there's any allusion to that cracks me up. <laughs> So Jen is set upon a beaver as well uh, here. She does pretty well here. She slices it almost in half. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's also scratched but not bitten, I think worth noting. Eventually, she kind of impales it to the table. Meanwhile, the crew on the raft, Sam, again, proving himself to be the dickhead of the group, although admittedly kind of resourceful here, picks up Zoe's dog and horses it into the water to kind of distract in the same way that you would throw raw sausages to a pack of rabid dogs. (laughs) Would you? Well, you see it in cartoons. In the same way that you would throw bread to a duck or rice to a pigeon so you can watch it explode. In the same way that you would paint a tunnel on the side of a mountain to distract Wiley Coyote. <laughs> <laughs> Sam throws the dog into the water and the beavers savage it, which gives them just enough time to swim to shore and get back to the cabin. Yep, yep, goodbye they... dog, we barely knew you. Yes, put one out for Goner the dog. <laughs> so they get home they examine the still alive undead beaver mm-hmm. impaled to the table again again just every time you get like a sustained look at one of these things i just look at it and i just think i love you <laughs> i would love one i want one for in my in my room here in nhq like honestly get you a partner who looks at you the way i look at zombievers <laughs> Do you know what I love here? Uh, I like when Buck's sleeping on the couch and he's kind of tenderly cradling his foot in a plastic bag. (laughs) He's like, sleep. (laughs) Yeah, see, there's loads of little visual jokes like that. I think that that's great. So, Zoe fights with Sam about the dead dog, which is understandable. Zoe, though, in a fit of rage, reveals the bombshell piece of information that we found out earlier to the group, driving a massive wedge through everyone at the worst possible time. She reveals that the girl at the party was Mary, and as a result, everyone's basically fighting with everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tommy doesn't seem massively fussed at all. See, I think that I think he is, but he's not being like explosive about it. I think that he's being kind of sullen. I think he's kind of looking inwards with his reaction on it, I would say. <laughs> uh, sure. I like that. Right about this time as well, the beeves return, and uh, Sam confronts them, kind of brandishing the severed head of one of their colleagues slash compatriots, flailing it around as a warning to any other beavers to stay clear. Yeah, it's like a go tell the others what you saw type thing, isn't it? <laughs> yep. So Buck obviously needs to go to a hospital. Worst possible time as a siege of beavers has just begun. But Tommy does identify that uh, beavers, though great in water, are slow on land. And as a result, thinks that they've got a reasonable shot at getting Buck to a hospital to get his foot reattached. <laughs> <laughs> yeah because why the hell not so at this point the group subdivides we have three staying back and three heading out buck tommy and zoe try to get to the hospital leaving of course then sam jen and mary in the cabin which i think under the circumstances given everything that we've just found out is a fairly poor division of resources agreed yeah you would try to split that up more evenly to just to kind of remove some of that friction absolutely 100 percent. you would try and diffuse the situation as best you could until the beaver related drama had subsided at this point we cut back to the neighbors very briefly they are considering checking in on them because they can hear things getting rowdy over there the husband of the pair of them uh, is very skeptical about this and uh, kind of uh, has a wee joke about it and then pets what he thinks is his dog what he doesn't realize is there's been a zombie beaver infiltration in the homestead <laughs> yeah yeah one of those wily little 
characters made his way into their house. Yeah, yeah, you, you can only imagine how this is going to go for them, Mitch. Absolutely, yes, yes. Some unceremonious off-camera deaths, which we'll get to. However, and again, this is what I was talking about before, I think that any time that the beavers are framed as being these calculating evil geniuses is like my favourite thing. <laughs> about sure. this film and uh, so we've got our three in the truck trying to get away and get to the hospital they can't get away because the beavers have chewed through two very specific trees that have fallen and blocked the road yeah i'm telling you they're clever they are and uh, they get tommy at this point as well yeah yeah he's crushed by a felled tree yeah he's beaver feed Oh. at this point however uh, the rest of them are kind of temporarily saved or kind of they get a little bit of a reprieve from the return of smith yeah yeah who immediately lambasts zoe again for showing too much skin yeah uh-huh yeah yeah for someone who's so lecherous he does seem to have a kind of a, a very strict kind of a moral compass about that <laughs> i don't really know what his uh, angle is here because he does go through these stages of thinking is this guy going to try something weird here mm-hmm. but then he never never really does and he never really gets a chance to ultimately so it's a kind of weird characterization i think in smith yeah i kind of think that it's just there for the hell of it and it's never really designed to have any kind of payoff because it certainly doesn't no 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 i mean it, it kind of guess builds up to a possible interesting set piece or joke later on when zombie smith comes back i guess so yeah it's kind of a long form setup for a one joke but it does work but then that I think that falls flat at the end when Smith comes back because ultimately what he comes back to do has no impact. I guess that's kind of true. Um, at this point, he spins a yarn about disease spread through beavers. Yeah, yeah, a real a real disease spread by the Giardia parasite, uh, which was known for a long time, and I believe the 70s, as beaver fever. I see, okay. I can hear it in your voice. You're expecting me to say something or make some little joke about beaver fever, but given the current climate of disease around <laughs> every corner... I will not make light of any disease. Congratulations on occupying the moral high ground. How does it feel? I feel sick at myself. (laughs) Because I can't backpedal from it now and I've got beaver fever jokes flying around my head at a a rate that can only be described as breakneck. I was going to say, like, eight of your 18 pages of notes were all just beaver fever jokes. You've made a run for your own back there. Eventually they get back to the cabin. At this point, it's almost irrelevant who's anywhere because it's basically just a massive vehicle for loads and loads of beaver stuff. Um, Yeah, but let me ask you this. Do you not think that, and I don't know if this was intended in such a way as to not damage the puppets, do you not think that when they're kind of trying to defend themselves, it's very lacklustre and very gentle? Yeah, I think that when they're bursting through the barricades and stuff like that and they're trying to fend them off, I would say that you're probably right. I think that that is a little bit timid, isn't it? It's very timid, and I, I don't know if that's part of the joke. Maybe like the, the direction was just kind of languidly try and fight these beavers off with as little effort as possible, because that's funny. Like If that's what you're trying to do, that's silly. That's too silly, even for a film called Zombievers. Yeah, I hear you. I think that it's more likely that it's like try and fend them off, but also don't break the puppet. Yeah, okay. Like I think that I think, like that's that seems that's that seems equally as believable to my ears. Smith, Buck, Tommy, and Zoe all make it to the neighbor's house. At this point, they have died. Yeah, that's pretty much all there is to say about that kind of encounter. At this point, uh, Mary gives out some kind of educational tidbits about beavers. Well, Mitch. Now's a good time to stop proceedings, and I think you're going to be very happy with what's coming next. (laughs) I have a sneaking suspicion. Dun, dun, dun! Beaver facts. Yes! Okay, amazing. Okay, good, good, good. So you've been doing your homework again. I have, yeah. Okay. Now, I've got to say, on the whole, from the research I've done, beavers sound lovely. Okay. Right, so, beavers are monogamous. Let's start with that. 
Lovely. Okay. Right. Also, they've been known to share the lodge with other animals. Oh. Like nice. to say, come in, come in from the cold, otter. Yeah. Uh-huh. Come in, Mister Vole. Um, come and warm yourselves, not by the fire, but by whatever beavers use for warmth. Sure. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, beavers have orange teeth. Due to the fact that they have high levels of iron in their tooth enamel, which makes them very hard. This is a lovely, wholesome time. Carry on. Yeah. Beavers have transparent eyelids, which help them to see underwater. Cool. Uh, That's a secondary set of eyelids, by the way. They don't just have, like, weird transparent eyelids. Okay, 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 okay. This is my favourite. This is incredible. Okay. This is also the last one. Okay. Beavers secrete a goo called castoreum from sacks under their tail it's thick and brown like molasses and it smells like vanilla wow what does it do do you know well that's interesting that you say that because it's actually used in vanilla flavorings really yeah that was the best one so beavers are lovely welcoming monogamous vanilla smelling little teddy bears wonderful that's like (laughs) that's the best set of facts you've done so far i think oh thank you yeah, no, oh, that was wonderful. However, these beavers not so pleasant. And uh, again, another just another really stupid thing that really made me laugh. They kind of all start falling out. Mary, uh, Jen, and Sam kind of start digging up these grudges that we know about. Sure, and, sure, sure. Uh, Sam mm-hmm. suggests that this kind of unrest in the ranks is caused by a divide and conquer strategy that has been instilled by the beavers. Yeah, yeah. Also, like, there's, there's, I think this could be something that comes up in Mary's reading is that beavers are practical jokers. They're practical. <laughs> That's right, that's what she says. That's weird. Yeah, what kind of practical jokes do you think? I think that they offer you a stick of chewing gum and when you pull it out of the thing, it's like a mouse trap that springs on your finger. Oh yeah, okay, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, or like, um, uh, you know, it's got one of their f- uh, one of those flowers in their lapels that when you go to smell it, they squish you with water. Sure, sure, all the classic fake dog turd on the carpet. Uh-huh, all that kind of stuff. Just kind of, just scamps. Japery. <laughs> but yeah at this point uh, Sam one of my favourite lines of the whole thing he says we can't turn against each other that's what the beavers want sure hilarious Jen goes to Mary's room at this point Mary has gone to bed early presumably because she can't stand the incredible level of awkwardness in the room which I can understand Jen advances on Mary Mary rebuffs her in what initially appears to be a sexual advance but is actually a beaver transformation yeah she's a beaver a a shiver Sheever, yes, exactly. She is transforming into half woman, half beaver hybrid. Uh, again, I think this transformation is really fun. It's really, Love really it. silly, yeah. but it's glad. Yep. I think it's great. Yeah, bright orange teeth. You know what that's caused by, Mitch? Iron and then ammo. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I think that this is great. Parallel to this, over at the other place, over at the neighbor's place, Buck also uh, in bad shape starts transforming as well. He's a heaver. He's a heaver. Yeah, Zoe uh, goes to shoot Buck in the struggle. Accidentally shoots Smith. Yeah, mm-hmm. pretty unfortunate. The human beaver hybrids looking pretty good, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't have a problem with them. I think they're very funny. I think they are weird and creepy and bizarre. And yeah, I've got a lot of time for the human beaver transformations. In fact, not just the human beaver transformations, because there's other animals that wind up partially beaverified. There sure is. Um, yeah. Another one of my favourite stupid moments in here, Sam and Mary barricade themselves into the bathroom while Jen attacks them with her massive beaver tail whacking on the ground. And um, <laughs> Mary asks Sam if he thinks that Jen's going to be okay, and his response is, she's going to be on medication for the rest of her life. <laughs> Uh, th- all this stuff from this point on to the end is just great. 
Yeah, I mean it's 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 all it's all a bit it's all a bit mad and it's a bit scattershot, but it never stops being entertaining uh, because there's loads of zombiever attacks. At this point, also one of my favorite things that happens in the entire thing is zombiever a zombiever chews through an electrical wire, sets himself on fire, in turn sets the cabin on fire. By this point, this film was nearly done. Oh yeah, but like we're genuinely about eight minutes from the end. Yeah, yeah. Inevitably, Sam gets his comeuppance, uh, has his penis bitten off by uh, Zombiever Jen. Uh, this is great. She busts up through the floor like one of the zombies at the end of the thriller video. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, takes his dong in her mouth and uh, tails it off. Clean off. Yeah, with those massive orange teeth. You know why they're orange, Mitch? I am in the enamel. It is indeed I'm in the enamel. I know that now. I love the fact that all this is going on and then the cabin's burning down and while he's staggering about with no penis and blood sputtering everywhere and sure. she's a human beaver hybrid running around getting in all kinds of shenanigans. At this point, when this whole tableau can't get chaotic enough or so you think, Zoe clatters through the wall driving a pickup. <laughs> yep, absolutely, yep. Mary climbs in. At this point, the half-zombie beaver Smith points a gun at them, shoots, misses, but the zombier, I think. A lot uh, of time for the zombier. So yeah. much time for the zombier. Yeah, I had a feeling when you were talking about the kind of the other good achievements effect-wise in this film, that was maybe what you were referring to. <laughs> Correct, yeah. Props to Zoe here um, for doing something that not enough people do in these situations. So uh, they are almost escaping. Mm-hmm. And Jen, zombie or zombiever, Shiver, Jen, attacks, attacks and climbs on the windshield. She hits the brakes. Jen falls off and tumbles in front of the pickup and Zoe, rather than having that kind of moral quandary moment that a lot of people have in that situation in films like this, just straight up and over, drives clean over her head. Yeah, and I think at this point, why not? Absolutely, absolutely. However, that road is still blocked from earlier. I don't know why Zoe was there the first time. I don't know why she thought that those trees would have moved. But no, wait, did they, as, as they're escaping, is there not another zombiever and the neighbour who's now a zombiever desperately trying to chew through a tree to block them from leaving? You're right, that is right. That is hap- that, that does happen. The tree falls just as they pass. Just as they pass, correct. Yeah, yeah and then yeah. they're able to scoot quite a distance up the road because it's a little bit after this that you see the zombiever Tommy. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He's stuck under the tree from... Yeah, and it's at that point that they get out and they have to proceed on foot. Mary, at this point, thinks that Zoe has been bitten, pulls a gun on her. Yeah, I've I've realised I've written notes here that I would never have written, or I would never have imagined myself writing, such as Mary pulls a gun on Zoe and accuses her of being a beaver. Yep, or at least on the verge of turning into one. Yeah, in in, in any other film, that note would sound silly. Yeah, no, but whereas here, it sounds perfectly salient. Um, <laughs> accurate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Mary is, uh, she's pointing a gun because she is accusing uh, Zoe of being an impending beaver, a beaver in training, a beaver in transit. <laughs> a beef to be. A beef to be. <laughs> However, it was a beavery lampoon. It was, in fact, Mary who was on the turn. That's right, yeah. But uh, Zoe reacts quickly again here. Zoe, like I say, not the most likable character, but resourceful. Who knew she would be the hero? Like in, in any other film, an arsehole like Zoe would be the first one to go. Yeah, she ranks bottom in my list of potential final girls and did from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Which I like, and she's only a final girl up to a point, because there's not really a final girl in this film. Uh, she escapes, limps up the road a little bit, sees a truck approaching, tries to flag it down to get their attention, foolishly does that in the middle of the road. As it turns out, it's only our distracted texter and his pal from earlier on, Bill Burr and John Mayer. Yeah. And uh, lightning strikes twice. She is leathered by the truck, and we are, for the most part, out. Yeah, that's the end as it were to Zombievers and we do get some pretty I mean, I don't know why they added outtakes to this. I mean, there's not enough for it to feel valuable It's it's because the film came in 71 minutes. (laughs) Yeah, that that could very well be the truth 
I would have liked to have just seen more of because you do see a fair amount in the outtakes of Bill Burr and John Mayer just kind of riffing. Yeah, which is very funny, I think. Yeah, I would have liked to have just seen more of that because what they're saying is actually the funniest stuff in the outtakes. The rest of it just seems there, like you say, for padding. Yeah, I think so. I'll tell you what's not there for padding, though. The closing credits song. Well, it's just as well that there is a song over the closing credits because they're not the easiest things to read. No, they're not. They're uh, weirdly borderline legible. But uh, yeah, the the song, the kind of big band crooner style Frank Sinatra song uh, that describes the entire plot of the film is uh, the absolute piece of resistance in this whole thing, I think. I'm going to tell you something, Mitch. I'm going to put that song at the end of this episode. Oh, would you? That'd be great. Yeah, definitely. I will. I will. I'll do that for you. And a wee post-credits stinger as well. You want to talk about that? I will talk about that a little bit. So, credits finish rolling, and what we get here is a beaver being... I don't know if if it's being feasted upon or rested upon by the most hilariously fake bee you've ever seen mm-hmm, in your yep. life. And basically what happens is this bee floats away from the dead zombie beaver, um, and rejoins its swarm, presumably setting up a sequel, Zombies. Indeed, yeah, yeah, which uh, thus far unrealised, but a boy can dream. That's the tragedy here. I- I'm more than happy to pick up that baton and run with it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 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 definitely. And with that, we are resoundingly out on Zombies. We are, yeah. By the way, just to say, I'm more than happy to do the, the sequel and any subsequent sequels with similar names. I could do Zombines. Yep, Zombie Treat. Some beat route. I could do some beers. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, like that, like um, that. Yeah, I could do some beaks. Yeah, that's good. If we're going to keep this going, it's going to have to be you because I'm weirdly tapped. I've got no more. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's it on some beavers. And well, I picked it, so you go first. I had a really good time with this, and for my money, out of the Andy versus Mitch episodes that we've done, going way, way back to the first one we ever done, which was episode one, where I picked a film, and then the next one was you doing detention and so on and so forth. I would say that for my money, this one has been your greatest success. Thank you very much. Thanks. I appreciate that. I would say that that's quite a low bar, <laughs> but um, I will certainly take it. I'm glad that you enjoyed this on um, another rewatch. I did as well. I think I associate a lot of very nice memories with this film, but I also sure. was pleasantly surprised with how well it held up on rewatches. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I don't know if it's the fact that I have had a few beers tonight that made me enjoy it more much in the same way as you did when you first saw it it's a film that's not without its faults right but what I find refreshing is that they have tried really hard to bring this silly practical element into the film for the most part for as much as they could because there is a few digital moments that haven't aged particularly well probably weren't great in the first place no but for the most part this desire to use largely practical effects and to make a film that knows what it is what i would hate is to see a film called zombievers with a story like this that leans really heavily into being po-faced and tries to take the silliness of it and blend the silliness in with a serious horror aspect. It earns a lot of its money on the fact that it just crams absolute patent ridiculousness into mm-hmm. every available space. Yeah, there's nothing worse than a film that purports itself to be a horror comedy that forgets that it's a horror comedy and leans too far down the horror road do you know what i mean and i think that it gets the balance right and by getting the balance right i basically mean that i think that like you don't need to have a particularly strong stomach for this film it's not a scary film by any stretch of the imagination but it is fun and it's gory and like you say i think that most importantly of all it knows exactly what it wants to be yeah and and it's that lack of pretension that i find quite endearing about zombievers yeah yeah i agree i agree well so a little bit of consensus there then yeah, I would say so. I think the performances are decent. 
Yeah, I think they do what they have to do. Well, the characters are unlikable. I think the actors are doing fine work. Mm-hmm. I had a, I had a lot of fun with it. I would recommend Zombievers to people that will not tax your time at all. I was going to say, I actually think that it's not a bad film to be digging out right now as well. At a time where I think that everyone's getting a little bit cabin fevery and things like that. It's like, it's just, it's an hour and a quarter long. It's very silly. You don't have to engage too hard with it if you don't want to. Uh, and it's yeah it's just good fun and just a little bit of a breather and i would rather watch zombievers than cabin fever i'd <laughs> be inclined to agree with you there actually yeah but i guess that's just about it for this one then isn't it it is you know what that means next week mitch is episode 100 indeed and before that of course comes minisode 100 which will be ready and in your feeds on monday morning as always we'll be doing all the usual stuff we'll be taking a look at what we've been watching we will be taking another look at my 90s side quest we'll be playing mitch's pitches we'll be taking a look at your feedback as well maybe another smoky thriller friday who knows? <laughs> also, we will be letting you know everything that you need to know about episode 100, and uh, that's going to be pretty cool, I think. A lot of stuff to let you know about there. If you want to get in touch with us between now and then, you can do. Of course, loads of ways you can do that. Facebook and Instagram are Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC, and you can email Strong Language Violent Scenes at gmail.com. Yep, and of course, hop on to strongviolentpod.com and have a snoop around. You'll find links to various things that might interest you. We will be back on Monday with Minisode 100. Can you believe it? However, tonight, no Chad's advice. Playing us off. It's Nick Amado. Goodbye. Goodbye. Some beavers, some beavers. You hear your sweetheart scream. She tells you why you don't believe her. She saw one in the bathroom. It's no lie. It's a zombiever contaminated by toxic goo. A random genetic mistake. They're semi-aquatic. They're hungry for you, boys and girls. Stay away from the lake. Zombievers. 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 A cheerful gang of college students think they're on vacation. Instead, they're dodging beaver chompers and facing their damnation. Don't board up the doorways and windows, my friend. It won't do any good. These furry brown bastards are fully equipped and they'll chew right through the wood. Say goodbye to your golden retriever, the beaver. Yourself, you've never witnessed rodents quite like these. Oh, Jesus Christ, you can't escape. They block the road with trees. Check your bodies for scratches. You can't be too careful. The claws are a cause for concern. Yes, once you're infected, it's only a matter of time before you turn into zombies. Spoiler alert. Zombievers Look out, they're coming through the walls Your girlfriend's chewing off your balls Zombievers 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 Zombievers, baby
You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.